You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for watching or uh, listening to the show here this morning on this beautiful Monday morning here in Chicago. And uh, thanks to uh, our first guest, Chuck Weber. Talked a little bit about uh, some developments out there in Kansas. Now we're going to sort of keep our uh, West uh, Coast, I guess it's the central part of the country, uh, focus here today and uh, talk to a gentleman who I'm very pleased he could join us here this morning. His name is Ben Court. He is the executive director of a group called the Foundry Treatment Center, and it's out in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about an article that came across my desk recently from the tablet. And the name of the article is called How Weed Became the New Oxycontin. Uh, Ben, are you with us? I am. Good morning, Bob. Hey, thank you for joining us, Ben. I I know we kind of moved you up a little bit, so uh, sorry to get you out of bed there a little earlier. But uh, (laughs) If you're like us here in Chicago, we, we were up early because the Bears game was over by halftime, so <laughs> it didn't really matter. <laughs> it's, a, it's as beautiful a day out here as it is. Oh, I'm sure it is. I've been out there. It's absolutely gorgeous. Ben, thanks for taking some time this morning. Um, You know, just in terms of background, the reason I keep harping on this topic is because um, Illinois passed legalized marijuana two years ago or three years ago, whatever it was. And the Catholic Conference, I represent the Catholic bishops in the state, and, and we opposed it. We tried to play our role in, in, in lobbying and our pleading with lawmakers not to pass this this legislation, but it, unfortunately we came up just a little short. There's just so much on the other side on this topic. And I, I, I'm, it just amazes me that in the legislative debate how things that you're talking about here in this story were just given short shrift and really nobody really wanted to talk about or hear about it. Thank you very much for coming. You're kind of, okay, go, go away. Um, you run uh, a treatment center out in, in yeah. Colorado Springs. So you see... Th- what this article and the article is written by a woman named uh, Leah Woodhouse, and if, if summarizing the article briefly, and please jump in, um, basically that the marijuana that's out there today is not the marijuana that was out there when people may have a frame of reference and done this in their youth. Um, the THC content is so much higher today uh, than it was years ago, and it is causing uh, such addictive behaviors that is damaging, it's causing psychosis and other things. And we're kind of in this spinning cycle of people needing to get off it, but yet using more of it, which is creating more use, more addiction, more dependency. But take it from there. Tell us about your experience treating people who are have marijuana addiction problems. Well, it's a story we've seen before and one we've seen many times. Um, This is just the newest substance to kind of, uh, to take center stage. And it's taking center stage in a a very loud way. Um, Our program is actually in Steamboat Springs. um, So a little bit farther up in the mountains than Colorado Springs. And to to give you an, an idea, we, um, you know, I've been inside of the treatment world for um, a decade and a half, and 10 years ago, um, we saw the occasional uh, cannabis-reliant patient 
but it was a, it was an exception. Very rarely were we treating people as this a, a primary disorder. And um, now it's 30, 40% of our census on every day. Uh, it has gone from something that's barely ancillary um, to, to, to absolutely a prime issue up there with uh, alcohol and opiates. And people just don't realize how significant of an issue this is. Um, marijuana addiction can lead to psychosis. Is that true? Oh, certainly. And you can have psychosis without the addiction. Um, right. So I, I think, let, let me <clears throat> explain the, the kind of two different um, roads that lead to trouble. And, and it is all about the potency, Bob. Uh, we, for for millennium, I mean, since, since the dawn of time, human beings have interacted with cannabis. And it's not until really recently that we've actually started to see issues like this because we've moved so far away from what the plant is in its natural state. Mm -hmm. In its natural state, cannabis has um, between 0.2 and 0.5% THC, less than half of a percent THC. THC is the part of the plant that gets you high, the psychoactive component. Um, now, we our, our products, the average product sold in the state of Colorado is 63%, and we have products as high as 99.9% .9 pure THC. So the two things that have increased dramatically, one, of course, is addiction. Um, your rates of addiction to THC have gone from roughly 10% um, to over 30% in the last eight years. So that's of everyone who experiments with, about one-third of them will at some point meet the diagnostic criteria for, for an addiction to. The other side of this, and, and really the biggest story, I think, is the psychosis. Um, it, it is. It, it has been determined to be causal for severe psychosis. Um, it certainly makes um, one psychosis stronger, which leads to some really, really terrible things. And we're starting. We're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg with this. Um, if you don't want to comment on this, don't. But um, <clears throat> we have. Uh, these high profile, we had an incident here, you've heard about it, in Highland Park, 4th of July parade, kid, he was probably 20 years old, shoots people, it's a horrible story. Um, we've had other incidents nationally on um, these type of mass shootings. And sometimes in these stories, you will see very, very faintly brought up about how used marijuana or that kind of thing. I just wonder... How many times, and I'm not saying that because he used marijuana, he did this. I'm not necessarily saying that, but I just wonder if we were really being honest with ourselves, how much of these incidents, we see these crazy, horrific events, has some co correlation with, co causation to marijuana usage, which causes addiction, which caused psychosis, and now this person doesn't even know what they're doing. Am I, am I, 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 I'm careful to say, I don't want to say there's a direct link, but I think there's something here and no one wants to talk about it except for law enforcement. They want to talk about it, but that's about it in terms of political leaders here. Nobody wants to go near that. Law enforcement will talk about it. Yeah, um, they will. In my field, we will certainly talk about it. Um, I, I think, and I appreciate how you even started the question and your recognition that this is Oh, you just tossed me a, a live grenade um, to, to answer this um, 
you have to be very careful with it. So here's what I will tell you um, with, with a pretty good degree of certainty. Um, I, so I, I wrote a book on this subject that came out in 2017, and I'm about two-thirds of the way through the follow-up. So my research is fairly um, up-to-date with this. Um, the, the issues that we're facing in this country today when it comes to violence, particularly around the, the shootings and, and the, the atrocities that are taking place, the one common denominator that you do have very clearly is mental illness. You have separation from community. You have separation um, from families, separation spiritually. You have mental illness. And we know for sure that the cannabis that people are using today, this ridiculously unnatural, manufactured, high-potency THC, is a significant contributor to mental illness. So I wouldn't touch the causation thing. Yeah. But uh, what I will tell you, Bob, is that this nation does not take the mental illness of, um, of its citizens anywhere near as seriously as we should. Why is, 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 why is there more mental illness, or is there more mental illness today than in years past? Is there, are there things that we're doing differently, or is it just we're detecting it more often, or is it both? Uh, what a great question. Of, of course, like, do, do we just now pay more attention yeah. to it? And do we have words for what right. was always out there? Um, it, it would appear that we actually do have rising rates of both addiction and mental illness. And the explanations for that tend to be, um, <laughs> well, whatever hammer you ask, they're going to tell you about their nail. Right. The people who want to tell you about it, you know, separation from church or separation yeah, or family. the internet or mm -hmm. pornography or family or um, so it's hard for me to see it outside of the context of my world, which is substance abuse. But right. um, we, we certainly do have increasing rates. And I, I think the um, the reasons for this are probably as diverse as the nation is as itself. Yeah. Ben, what could we be? I mean, I, I'm in the political world. And so we're making an argument against not. Um, you know, public policy laws that would, would, would prevent this thing. And unfortunately, we've lost that uh, here in Illinois. And, and it's going on throughout the country. But I'm not, I know that there's widespread acceptance of, of marijuana usage. Um, oh, I remember when we were doing this. I had friends of mine saying, you yeah, know, we were crazy. You guys, don't, I mean, let it go. And, you know, I, I get all that stuff. Um, and, and it's a state-by-state -state issue right now. And I'm not sure where we are as a country if more states are looking at legalizing marijuana. They probably are. But there's also talk at the federal level of legalizing it, too. I, I, I take it that when Colorado was one of the first states to do this, um, I, I take it you guys were – your organization was probably against legalization for the reasons that you're talking about as it's affected the public health. Is that accurate? Um, when we initially passed this, I, I was actually running a nonprofit uh, that my climbing partner and I started that was something I thought I would never leave, uh, working with drug addicts in the very beginning of their recovery. And, and I ended up leaving this company that we started to join the formal opposition campaign um, because I, I had read the proposed legislation and, and was just aghast. I, I mean, it wasn't um, like like a restoring of civil liberties, it was 3,666 words of protection of a new industry. Yep. 
Um, so I have been, and, and I was in Chicago, um, I'm in DC quite a bit on this subject. One of the boards I sit on is called Sam smart approaches sure. to marijuana and, um, have had an opportunity to, um, discuss and advise not just state governments, but our federal government on this, our federal government isn't any closer, um, to legalizing this or allowing the commercial sales, should I say, than they were several years ago. Uh, there's always some rumblings, but states certainly do continue to fall. And um, in, in the new book I'm working on, I actually uh, have finished the chapter where I highlight everything that we would have to do if we wanted to actually make this legal system work. And I just don't think there's anywhere near the political willpower. What there is is the, um, well, there's a political cowardice to not stand up for something that is so very clearly true because they're afraid it'll lose them some votes, but there's not the willpower to actually do what would need to be done to protect the public. Right now, you've got folks who are, um, th these lawmakers who are involved in this couldn't tell you the difference between a CBD salve and a THC concentrate in the form of a distillate. Um, we have people making the decisions who have not studied the issue. And when you consider, I mean, very frankly, Bob, the the tens of billions of dollars that are being generated in this. I mean, it, it went from a multi-million to broke a billion in 2015 to now by the end of this year, we think that the market in, in um, the U.S. will probably approach about 30 billion. Um, there, there are over 60 full-time lobbyists for the cannabis industry just in Colorado. Wow. <laughs> so political pressure on them to do nothing is significant. I was with some friends the other night, uh, lawmakers and uh, lobbyists on a totally different, on our scholarship tax credit, had nothing to do with this whatsoever. And, you know, as you're in a social situation, we were talking, and I won't mention the person's name, but... Um, he, he, people here would know this name. Uh, he's a very well-known restaurateur here in the Chicagoland area, and he's closing restaurants. And some we were talking about it, and somebody said, well, the reason he is is he's made good money in the restaurant industry, and he's moving all of it into marijuana. He's going to move all mm -hmm. his business into – and I was like, <laughs> he's not a young man, uh, but you know, he's, he's been a successful entrepreneur and I just thought, wow, if that's where we're at, you know, I, I was, I, I didn't know what to say, so I didn't say anything, but, you know, I, I just was shocked by that. Um, and if that's happening, in that one example, that's happening multifold, all, all over the country, that's happening, I'm sure. Oh, oh There's my. dollar signs. Um, yeah. It, it, in the new book, I have a full chapter on exactly who the big players are. So here, here's a couple of interesting things. The, the initial biggest financial backer for this was George Soros, um, followed by Richard Branson. At the very beginning of this, back in 2012, um, the, the person who runs the second largest cannabis company in the world, the, the second largest multinational, is Nancy Pelosi's son. Um, the, the, uh, what the, the largest Canadian cannabis company is run by the former executive vice president of marketing for Purdue Pharma, the people who brought us Oxycontin. This is big tobacco 2.0 and in that article it talks a little bit about the confluence of the uh i think it's alcohol industry the tobacco industry and big pharma all being significant financial supporters for legalization and and growing the 
and, and their end business proposition. So yeah, it's the same people that brought us all these other products. And that's what I kept kind of flippantly saying, uh, you know, when we were doing the debate here, which was, well, you know, because you hear that, well, alcohol is legal and why, if alcohol is not legal, well, we're not, we, we tried to make that illegal, what would happen? And I kept saying, it's like, okay, I, I grant you alcohol is legal, but I mean, you probably know this better than anybody. Uh, it is legal, but yeah, but look at, I mean, and I and I drink beer from time to time, but look at also also it, it, we have a social cost of alcohol that's substantial. It's ruined people's lives. It's ruined people's families, and it's just not all the green grass here with alcohol. And so why would we want to do this in addition to what we already have? I it just boggles my mind. But you know, n- nobody. Uh, it was very frustrating. Greatest argument opposed because alcohol is far and away the most devastating substance in this country. And in fact, if you combine all of the other addictive substances, they don't touch alcohol. And it is in in its destruction, its cost to society, its destruction personally and corporately. And it is not because alcohol is inherently worse. I mean, clearly alcohol is not a drug that, uh, a substance that more negatively affects the brain and the body than say methamphetamine. The reason why alcohol is the most devastating substance in this country is because it is the most widely consumed. It's a simple ratio. And the reason why it's the most widely consumed is because you have a multi-billion dollar industry behind it intent on on new consumers. You, I, I hate to break it to you, but with your beer or two a month, the alcohol industry doesn't care at all about you, Bob. Good. Zero. Right. Um when I, I'm, I'm in recovery from substance abuse, I got sober when I was 18. Um, when I found Mad Dog 2020, when I was 13 years old, I'm who the alcohol industry needs, just like cannabis. Here's a re- remarkable stat for you. The Colorado Marijuana Enforcement Division gave us these data last year that 75.7% of the THC in Colorado was purchased by 6% of the consumers. This is an industry like tobacco, like alcohol, like pharma, that is that that is fundamentally dependent on the problem user. Take away the problem user, take away the money. So they must cultivate more problem use. That's pretty sad. That's uh, that's a pretty pathetic thing uh, <laughs> that we're that we're profiting. It's disgusting. Off of. It is. Yeah. Ben, so where do we go from here? I mean, what can we do? I mean, you're doing what you can on an individual basis. You're treating people, trying to, you know, one person at a time. Um, you know, this is not, I, I mean, honestly, this is not a major issue for the Catholic Conference of Illinois. Um, although we did try to play a role. We did play a role. Um, we were at every press conference, everything. I put as many people as we could out there. And I could tell early on it was a rigged game. I, I kind of knew where this was going to go. Um, and what was really insidious about what they did in Illinois, and this really is hard to talk about, is that they made social equity grants because, you know, oh, African-Americans, yeah. <laughs> people are impoverished. You know, th- they saw this as the money that you're just talking about. They saw this as an economic development uh, issue. And they were clearly just buying off those lawmakers who represent the poorest and most marginalized among us, largely in African-American communities. 
And and I remember talking to a lawmaker. I couldn't believe what he was saying. I kept saying, "It's like, can't you hear what you're saying?" You know, his family, his, his uncle was in jail because of marijuana usage, and he ruined his his whole side of his family. I'm like, "Well, this is what you're doing. You're creating more of this." But it it but they were gonna but somebody in the neighborhood was gonna profit off it, and they were gonna have jobs and industry, and and that's that's how it passed here. So I'm just wondering, like, where do we go from here with this stuff? I, I just very. I don't know. They, so, so one of the, um, I, I had an opportunity to give a, a TEDx talk and oh. um, it, it got picked up by the TED main stage and ultimately featured as the um, talk of the week for a little while. And the, the subject that I discussed was the social and racial inequalities in this and how this great lie of social justice this is this is pure social injustice yep. and I, I won't go into the data right now but i'll tell you um your sister city o- over in detroit the very first group that was formally opposed to what happened in michigan was the detroit detroit chapter of the naacp um the other really foul thing that happened in illinois was you guys were the very first state um, to make this change legislatively. Yeah. So you you had this done in back rooms, not even in the ballot box. And so what, what I will tell you, for me, the um, and, and I spend a lot of time on this. I, I get to advise um, collegiate and professional athletic departments. I get to spend a lot of time with state and federal government officials. Um, so for me, personally, the answer is simple. I just won't stop fighting this because at the end of it no matter how it falls i want my kids to know i left it all on the field um for everybody else out out there i think that the the first thing that they can do is get truly and actually educated on this issue and know that you are on the right side of history in the opposition of this i remember uh a, a time where, and it's not not a name drop, but the name is relevant. Um, my friend uh, Patrick Kennedy sat yeah. down with Sanjay Gupta off tape, and he said to him, "You are on the wrong side of history." He's right. Uh, he, he said, "This will be. We'll, we'll recognize this for what it is, in the same way we recognize tobacco for what it was. Let's just hope it doesn't take sixty years. So we will have to face the data because." It's inarguable, Um, but you have to remember up until the mid nineties, you had every CEO of every tobacco company in the country testifying under oath before Congress that their product wasn't addictive. That's right. We just have to keep pushing to, to advance that reckoning. Yeah, thanks for that. Because I, I, I have to say, you know, even on a, like sometimes I keep talking about this. <laughs> You're about the fifth person I've had on this in various ways. And, and law enforcement guys will always come on. They, they are, they're, they're, they're very concerned about because they see this all the time. Um, they see, you know, what they say anecdotally in Illinois is that we were told that oh, if you legalize it, well, that will drive away the Ill- illegal market. And all the law enforcement people, right? Oh, yeah. law enforcement say no. You just get more of it. And and Ben, I'm sure you read about, unfortunately, our horrific crime situation here in Chicago. Once again, I'm not going to make the argument one leads the other, but they sure have a relationship. And these things are all I, I, I'm going to do what you I'm glad you said that, because I'm going to keep talking about this. I'll keep bringing people on. 
We'll start. We can maybe, uh, talk to our people in D.C. But it is. It's it's one of these issues that I see it so clearly, but I see a lot of things clearly that people don't see. So uh, when it fits a pattern. So um, any, if only they got it. Right? I know exactly. And, and, it's not like my dad. And again, I'm I'm, I'm with you, Bob. I, I won't say this is because of, but but I will say and, and want to be very clear with this. Our nation faces a mental health crisis. Yeah. We are in the midst of a mental health crisis. This is a substance that has demonstrable, significant negative effects on mental health. So A, A and B, man, let, let's just two plus two. Let, right. let's, we have gotten so coarse in the way that we consider these issues. Um, we we at, at some point even stop thinking about the pain that we experience that others don't. When I, I was in New Zealand on a book tour and lecturing on this subject when the Christchurch massacre happened. Mm -hmm. And when we heard about it a couple of days later, because we were fishing, we, that's a battle, my, my buddy and I, my cousin and I, and the guy we were with um, started crying. And, and I thought to myself, how beautiful that there's still a sensitivity to that there. Whereas for us in America, we're like, hmm, another day at the office. Yeah. We have to address yeah. the mental illness crises that is rocking this country. What's the name of the book? What's uh, the name? Weed of the Inc. Okay. I'll send you a copy. Great. Um, it's it's outdated. It's 2017. The new one, uh, if, if the publishers allow, will be called Weed Inked. <laughs> Catchy titles. Ben, thanks so much for taking some time here this morning. I really appreciate it. God bless you and your work. Hang in there. We'll keep pushing. Um, and like you said, I, I think you, you summed it up well. Uh, you know, let your kids know you're going to leave it all out in the field. And we'll just keep saying it. And, and that's all you can do. You just hope that the, what we're saying touches somebody's heart and, and mind and that uh, we'll be able to persuade some people and maybe they'll re realize what, what's, what's truly going on here. Amen to that, brother. Ben, Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Um, that was Ben sure. Court from uh, all the way from Steamboat Springs, Colorado. A very interesting guest um, talking to us about um, his experience with treating people who are uh, having uh, Ill mental illness problems, drug addiction problems, et cetera. Um, thanks, everybody, for, for listening to the, the show this morning. Uh, our apologies that uh, Joyce could not get on here today. But uh, I think at least we cover the topic uh, at some level. So go to the story that's in the Chicago Catholic about uh, the scholarship tax credit and what they're doing there. And thanks to Ben Court for coming on, who is very articulate. Uh, we're going to keep the fight up um, on uh, what he was urging us to do, which was don't forget that uh, what people are peddling here have significant health consequences to us all and also to chuck weber the director of the catholic conference out in kansas for his excellent work i know he went through a lot with that love them both or value them both campaign and uh thanks for taking some time to join us this morning this is bob gilligan of the catholic conference of illinois thank you for listening to our program here today we'll be back on the third monday in the month of october i can't believe it's almost october time is flying by have a great day everybody a uh, great week and once again thanks for listening and thanks for watching join us every monday through friday at this time for catholic chicago you can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website archchicago.org and clicking on radio tv and please connect with catholic chicago on social media